Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 243. Few things seem to go by as quickly as Royal Caribbean Cruises, including my recent cruise on board Rhapsody of the Seas. We had a fantastic time on Rhapsody of the Seas, and this week, I'll review my recent seven-night Western Caribbean sailing on Rhapsody and talk about my stateroom, the sweet experience, specialty dining, entertainment on board, and the places we visited. Here we go. Having tried Rhapsody of the Seas, I have a lot of takeaways from the experience because despite the fact that this has been my umpteenth Royal Caribbean cruise, there were a lot of firsts involved with this sailing, primarily going on a Vision class ship. And I think the nature of this week's review is going to be centered around that idea of Vision class versus the rest of the fleet. If you followed Royal Caribbean blog at length, a lot of people always wonder what my thoughts were going to be on a smaller ship. I've been on Radiance class ships, but not a Vision class ship. Rhapsody of the Seas is a Vision class ship, so she's a little bit older, a little bit smaller than even the Radiance class. But, you know, it still offers quite a bit, and we were still attracted to Rhapsody for a variety of reasons. A lot of them we talked about in uh, two weeks ago on the preview episode, and I definitely want to make sure you check out that episode first so you have an idea of the where's, how's, and why's as to well, booking this cruise. But coming off Rhapsody of the Seas, first and foremost, we had a great time. We really did have a really relaxing time on board. I also feel like we had some of the best family interactions on a cruise that we've ever had. This could be one of two reasons. Number one, my kids are getting older and more mature, and thus they you know, are a little more involved in the situation rather than being glorified luggage that you carry around, bring around with you, right? You know, they're older, they can do more, they have more, their interest levels have changed. There's that aspect to it. Number two, obviously being on a vision class ship like Rhapsody of the Seas, you know, there was less going on during the ship, you know, in terms of the, you know, activities and things to do on board the ship compared to obviously an Oasis class. So perhaps that played a part into it, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Certainly, I know that it took us probably a day or two to acclimate towards a Vision class ship. And one of the things I, I think that's really important to note is there are no bad Royal Caribbean ships. I think they're all great choices. Oftentimes I get questions from readers or, or podcast listeners saying, Matt, I'm going on blank of the seas. This is a good idea. This is a good ship. And the answer is they're all good. They really are. Truly, there's not there you're not there's no ship that is not worthy of your time. I think there's what you have to understand is what the ship offers and be aware of what it offers, what it doesn't offer, and then have your expectations and be in line. And certainly being open-minded is very helpful as well. And, you know, for us, we went into this, especially with our kids. Our kids really haven't been on small ships. In fact, now that I think about it, I don't think they have – that's not true. I take that back. My oldest was been on Jewel of the Seas, but that was back when she was like, gosh – Two some under three years old, you know, two years old or some change. So she wasn't even going to Adventure Ocean back then, and that was a number of years ago. And certainly, you know, a lot has changed since then. But they haven't been on, you know, Brilliance of the Seas. Both times we've gone, they have. It's been uh, on our own, so we haven't had them with us. And so as a result, you find that you know this is a little bit different experience for them as well. The most noticeable difference on Rhapsody versus any real country I've been to, especially with my kids, has been that the Adventure Ocean Space is very small. It is essentially three rooms, the usual three Aquanauts, Explorers, and Voyagers, but they're not separate rooms. They're just like, it's like, imagine one large room with dividers in the middle to separate them. And that's essentially what you have over there. And that was a bit of a surprise. Now, I was, maybe we had some concerns going into it, I don't know, when we saw it, but it ended up working out fine. But you have to you have to acclimate yourself toward that. You have to you know you have to. I think from our experience as veteran Royal Caribbean cruisers, you know we just had to understand. Okay, this is how you cruise on this kind of a ship. And certainly by day two into day three, I think we were in really into the swing of things. I think we really got the sense of what the ship offers, and we got our routine down. And once you figure out your, your routine, it goes a lot smoother. And maybe this is just the way we cruise. I think I've often said, in fact, that on you know most cruises recently with our kids. The first day, embarkation day, is the worst day for us just because everyone's so hyped up with energy and the kids are excited to do it all. And then, you know, in the afternoon, they run out of energy. You know what happens. Any parent knows when kids run out of energy, they turn into, you know, complaining, whining uh, kids. And then that just leads to problems later on, right? But, you know, as the cruise progresses, everyone kind of gets a sense of it and they get into that swing of things. I think they did. That certainly was the case here. And I think we really did like going on Rhapsody. 
Uh, let's talk about the room. We had an owner's suite. This is our first time in an owner's suite. We've done grand suites and some other suites before, but first time in, uh, in an owner's suite. And I loved it. In fact, I think I liked it more than I thought I would. What was nice, there were a couple things I really enjoyed. First of all, the balcony was awesome. Very large balcony. Number two, our bedroom. So there's, if you can imagine the room, the owner's suite is one, you know, it's essentially a large room, but the, the master bedroom, the actual bed is surrounded by curtains that form, that close it off. And at night or even in the morning, it will still make it seem like an interior stairroom. Like, I mean, it just closes out all sunlight. Very, very good at that, in fact. And the kids are sleeping on a pullout sofa that's in the living room closer to the balcony door. So as a result, we act, this separation actually worked out pretty well for us. Um, having those curtains really allowed the kids to go to bed while my wife and I looked at the cruise compass, you know, checked our phones, you know, just kind of went. It's not obviously soundproof, but it does prevent the light from coming in on them and distracting them, right? So the kids would lay in bed. We turn on the TV. There were two TVs in the room, one facing the living room, one facing the bedroom. And we would put the sleep timer on the TV so that they would that way they'd have a natural progression to go into sleep. And once the TV was off, then it was off. And then it's not my fault for turning the TV off. And that setup really worked out well. So I like the separation. And, of course, also even in the morning, it was still really dark for us. And that was certainly very nice. The The rest of the room was, you know, pretty standard, sweet experience. I don't think we had any issues with that at all. In fact, I would say, that, in fact, on Rhapsody, we had, in my opinion, the best sweet level experience. The concierge lounge was small, but the attendant, the sweet, sweet con, uh, concierge attendant, uh, who was uh, Alan, was amazing. Really caring, really thoughtful, went above and beyond. Just truly, I've been, like I said, I've done a couple different suites now. But this guy really went over and above. Just you know, it, it really showed in what he did. And you know, when we would come into the concierge lounge, he would always welcome us with a smile, offer us a beverage, seat us. Uh, you know, if we had questions about excursions, he was always before we'd have an opportunity to ask. He would offer to escort us off the ship, and really, he was a go-between. In fact, he was often adamant about going through him before anybody else just to save us time, make it easier for us. So that was really wonderful. And I really am uh, – it, it was to, really to the point where after the cruise or towards the end of the cruise, I was really thinking, man, I really want to do more sweet experiences because I like that level of service. It was really nice having that. And what that really amounts to for us as a family was just having that convenience factor. With kids, nothing is easy. <laughs> but, you know, when you have that convenience factor, being able to, you know, be escorted off the ship in ports and just beat the lines and, you know, that just makes a huge difference in my opinion for that. Now, is it worth paying, you know, seven, ten thousand dollars more? Probably not. But if the price is right, it can certainly be worthwhile. And certainly I think this experience is gonna maybe shape a little bit more of how I look at suites going forward because it's really nice having those perks. The con I spent more time in the concierge lounge on this ship than on any other ship I've had sweet access to. Uh, so that was really nice. Uh, let's go back to Adventure Ocean for a moment. This is also my first time for my daughters, my youngest daughter's uh, time in Adventure Ocean. She's three years old. And we were really worried about this because going into this cruise, to use the word potty train would not be an appropriate term. And without getting into TMI zones here, uh, she was struggling still with some of the aspects of it. And we were worried about it. But luckily, she snapped into it, and she really wanted to, you know, go have fun over there. And she calls it camp. And she was very good. In fact, she never had any accidents upstairs in Adventure Ocean, which was wonderful. The other interesting thing was uh, she got kicked out there one time. One time, that's because she fell asleep. You're evidently not allowed to sleep in Adventure Ocean. And we came back, and she was just laid out on the floor sleeping. I guess that day she had too much to do and not enough nap time. Okay, I can deal with that problem. Uh, so that was kind of funny. The other interesting thing, the other nuance, as I mentioned earlier, Adventure Ocean is one large room, which means one check-in line, which made the lines unnecessarily long. Certainly if you're on a other Royal Caribbean ship that has you know a different room for each Adventure Ocean grouping, you have three different lines. Well, in this case, you had one line. So oftentimes uh, the lines would, you know, you would, it wouldn't be that bad. It would just be, there would be a line, whereas, you know, I was, I kept on thinking to myself, man, if this were three different lines, this would be, you know, a third of what this line really is. But it was easy enough to get them in and out of there. And certainly no problems. And the staff was great, very accommodating. So we have no uh, issues with that at all. So the suite was good. Uh, let's talk about dining on board. The, we ate primarily in the main dining room. 
Uh, I went into this cruise kind of weird. Usually I'm all about like, hey, let's plan a bunch of dining. But, you know, having just been on Brilliance and Radiance of the Sea, uh, Brilliance and uh, Independence of the Seas, excuse me, that have a lot of the similar dining that Rhapsody does, I wasn't terribly inclined to book anything. Quite honestly, I miss the main dining room experience. My wife and I differ on this. My wife is a big specialty dining fan. She is admittedly a pickier eater, and so she finds less of interest to her to eat in the main dining room. She'd prefer to eat at the other specialty restaurants. I like the main dining room. We both like the experience. I just find more food there. Perhaps that's part of the issue. But we ate there from nights one through four and seven. So five and six, we were in specialty dining. We actually, it was interesting because I went into this again, didn't book anything in advance, right? And I said to my wife, I said, look, if we're going to do specialty dining, it's maybe because there's going to be a deal on it and, you know, something special on board. Well, sure enough, one of the days of the cruise, we were in the Windjamere. And a Chops Grill da- di- a waiter was walking around, offer- says, I've got specials for Chops Grill. And I raise my hand and say, sir, I am interested in your specials. Tell me more. And he actually offered us 30% off the, f- the price and a free bottle of champagne. That's not a bad deal at all. At Izumi, they were offering sp- uh, buy or spend $25, get $25 more in credits. Basically, spend $25, get $50 credit, thus a net of $25 for free. So we had lunch in Izumi. Giovanni's table, uh, that was more, we paid full price for that one. Um, we, there was one night where my wife looked at the dining room uh, uh, menu and decided that there was nothing of interest to her. And she gave me that look of, you know, let's go somewhere else without saying it. And I knew that. So I just called up and made a reservation and, you know, there you go. Now, one of the, the lesson to be learned here is there can be definitely dining specials on board. What you want to do is look for them in the cruise compass, but also look for them, you know, look for the staff around the ship. Ask if there are any specials going on. That's the key. You don't want to go in there and say, can you give me a discount? More, more, be a little more subtle. Say, oh, I would love to eat a chop screw, but are you guys running any specials while you're on, while we're on board? That's a great way to get some deals. I probably should have done that at Giovanni's. I should have just walked over there at that time in the afternoon and asked about it if there are any specials going on. But, you know, there's the lesson to be learned. Now, that being said, there's a little, you know, there's a saying, you know, your mileage may vary, right? Same is true with that strategy. If you want to eat at Chops Grill, Giovanni's Table, or any of the specialty restaurants on your Royal Caribbean ship, I do recommend booking them in advance, especially a dining package. They can save you a lot of money there. There's no question about that. It certainly simplifies things. But, you know, depends on how you, how you cruise, what you're interested in doing, and how important of a priority it is for you to dine at those restaurants. But as someone who's been to Chops and Giovanni's and Izumi a number of times, I was willing to roll the dice more on it. So that's how I came up with it. In terms of drinking on board, we did not buy a drink package. Uh, they did offer the drink card uh, day, the evening of day five, I think. I did buy the drink card. I regret buying the drink card. Not because it's not a good value, but you know what I've learned? At least at this point of this recording of this podcast, I reserve the right to change my mind. I just don't think I drink enough to make it worthwhile. I think I'm getting old. I think I just don't find that much, that in much interest in drinking to the point of all those drinks. Now, a couple things to keep in mind. Number one, I am a Diamond member, and after this cruise will be Diamond Plus. So we had access to complimentary beverages every evening in the Diamond Lounge and also the Concierge Lounge as well. If you you don't have to be a Diamond member, if you have uh, if you book a suite, you'd be brand new to Royal Caribbean. But if you book a suite, you get access to the Concierge Lounge, and every evening from four thirty to eight times may vary, plus or minus thirty minutes, you get complimentary drinks in the Concierge Lounge. Same is true for the Diamond Lounge. And with that, I really felt there was more than enough for that. I also brought bottles of wine on board. So that helped. Actually, that's not true. I forgot my bottles of wine on board, but my travel agent had sent me a gift of a bottle of wine, which helped quite a bit. And having the bottles of wine, having the diamond drinks, and also arguably even equally important, drinking on shore where it's significantly cheaper, or can be significantly cheaper, especially in the Caribbean, certainly helped you know, offset the need to drink on board. Now, we know with our kids, it was a little different, right? You know, even on sea days, you know, we, we there was so much going on. We were doing so many things as a family. It's not like when my wife and I are, are alone, inevitably we just go to drinking as something to do. I felt like we had more. And oftentimes I would get to like, you know, the afternoon and realize, oh, I haven't had a drink all day today uh, and be fine with it. So I think honestly going into, now the question is the next cruise is a group, a Royal Caribbean block group cruise. So maybe this will change, but I really do believe that going forward, you know, I really don't personally need to get the drink package. And even the drink card, I'd have to think about it long and hard. The nice thing about the drink card is you can share it. And I was able to, my wife and I were able to share drinks, but I felt like towards the end, we were just buying drinks for the sake of buying drinks, similar to the drink package. So, 
you know, I think we would have been okay if we hadn't gotten it. But uh, it is interesting that they did offer them both, uh, obviously the drink package and also the drink card. But the lesson to be learned is if you once you get the diamond level or you're staying in a suite, because obviously concierge access as well, that can make a big difference in your drinking habits, I think. Now, of course, everyone cruises differently, and, you know, there's a difference between a three-night cruise and a seven-night cruise, and, you know, how many ports you're visiting. We had, you know, four ports, so only two sea days. That's going to factor into that as well. Some things to think about. So we did the dining. Let's talk about the ports that we visited. We visited four ports. Key West, Florida, our first time visiting Key West uh, as a family. I've been to Key West. My wife neither nor my kids have ever been there before. We had great weather. In fact, for Key West, it was probably among the best weather you can ask for, especially because it's just usually very, very hot over there. It was nice. It was temperate. It was warm to the point where, you know, you walk around enough, you're going to start sweating. But it was enjoyable to be outdoors. You know, it wasn't like, oh, geez, you're cutting the humidity with a knife, as you would if you were visiting Key West later on in the year. I found that uh, what we ended up doing is we booked the hop on, hop off uh, trolley tour, which is there's a trolley that goes throughout Key West. You can, like I said, there's certain stops. You can hop on, hop off as many times as you want. Uh, we should mention that Rhapsody of the Seas docked at the U.S. Naval Station. There are two docks in Key West. One is at near Mallory Square, which is a public area, and you can just walk off the ship as you would in almost any other port. The other one is the U.S. Naval Station. Because it's a military base, you actually cannot walk off the ship. You go to – when you walk off the ship – you have to be escorted off, and you have to take a basically a, a vehicle of some kind. There are complimentary shuttles. If you just don't want to do any tours, you just want to go on your own, they, Royal Caribbean provides this shuttle access. Kind of like – think of it as land tenders, right, where they'll just take you uh, between – because you can't walk in the base. So something to keep in mind. But our tour, our, our the, the trolley tour, offers that as part of it. So what was nice is you get on the trolley when the tour begins – and that's part of the tour. You don't have to, like, get off somewhere else, get on the trolley again. Or when you're coming back, vice versa, you just hop on the trolley and it'll bring you right back to the ship. It's kind of nice to have that option. You know, we did that. Uh, we booked that on board the ship. It would have been cheaper if I booked it before the cruise via the cruise planner. Uh, my wife noted, though, that it was still cheaper to book through Royal Caribbean than through uh, booking it directly, which is always an interesting observation when that occurs and we had a nice time i think we walked too much i think i drove my kids into the ground with that they, they were good troopers no crying but we ended up i think walking too much rather than taking advantage of the trolley the trolley primarily goes through the old part of key west the historical part of key west it does go to the new part of key west which is not interesting at all but just a necessary evil to get to see the tour. It does also bring you to some of the beaches over there, which is probably, I think, what most people go to that that end of Key West. But it was fine. Uh, was it my favorite excursion I've ever done? No, I would say the my issue with the trolley tour was finding the stations was a little more difficult. Even though they had 19 or something like that around the island, it just wasn't as easy as I was anticipating or hoping for it to be. But it worked to what we needed it to do. I think we... Honestly, I think my experience was was clouded by the fact that we chose two pro- – I made two mistakes in Key West. Number one, I was so desperate to get off the trolley in the beginning to just walk around that I took the very first stop we could. And the very first stop ended up being in the middle of nowhere. And if I had waited and got somewhere else, we would have been – we would have saved ourselves 10 minutes of walking for no reason. So that that's on me. Number two, the restaurant we picked to eat lunch at, we got there kind of late. We ducked like 11 o'clock, so we wanted to eat pretty quickly. And the restaurant we picked, I looked at Yelp you know, on my phone, and I chose this particular restaurant. And the food was fine. The problem was the service got screwed up. This is not on me. This is on the server or somebody screwed up over there. It took we, we ended up sitting there for like an hour and a half. It was a long story, but in the end, it was fine. They got us our food and gave the kids some free dessert, and they loved that. And, you know, it's just one of those situations. It doesn't matter where you are in the world when, you're, when your order gets messed up and you end up waiting longer than you need to. It's never great. But... That being said, I think we still had a good time in Key West. It was nice to do. I think that if you've never been to Key West, the nice thing about these trolley tours, it allows you to, again, see it all and get a good idea of what there is to do there. I think if we were to go back, that'd be a really good question as to what is available. You know, my good friend Michael Poole, who we've had on this podcast and writes uh, some blogs as well on realcomingblog.com, he's not a big fan of Key West, and I was kind of questioning that for a while, and now I kind of understand why. I hate to say it like this, but Key West is kind of a tourist trap. <laughs> I know that's, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's bars and there's some history involved. Certainly, I think the history is the most compelling aspect to it. My kids, I knew in advance, were not going to be interested in the Little White House or Hemingway's house. They just, they're not old enough to appreciate history and the significance of it and whatnot. So that was kind of out. We didn't want to do a beach day 
So because we're doing so many other beach days as you're about to hear about. So that limited us. And for, admittedly, that's on me, right? I'm saying, no, I don't want to do these other things. Thus, what's left over, walking around town, going to the different shops and and restaurants and bars. And that's really what it's about. And it, it kind of got old quickly in that regard. And I can certainly see where Michael was coming from in that. So it's not, you know, if we were to go back to tomorrow to Key West, what would we do? And that's a really good question because I'm honestly not sure of the answer. You could say a beach day. Again, in a vacuum, the answer is a beach day. But the problem is, is that we're not it's not in a vacuum. Like we were going again, three other ports that all had beach days to it. We want, we knew we were not going to want to do that. We wanted a little something different. Certainly, I think that might be a good day. Honestly, going forward, is we would leave the kids on board the ship in Adventure Ocean. My wife and I would go, and then we could do the history and things that my kids have no interest in doing. That might be a really good strategy going forward. But. Uh, I will tell you the trolley tour does work really well. There's also a conch train tour that has significantly less stops involved. So that means there's less opportunities to hop on, hop off. But I should note that that's also available there. So anyway, we had good weather. It's probably the most I can ever ask for any port. Our next port was Cozumel, Mexico. And Cozumel, again, I did no planning in advance. I didn't know what to do here because I got my kids with us. Long story short, I booked the day before the cruise, Ibero Star Resort Day Pass. This is available through a website called resortforaday.com. Basically, we wanted to do a day pass, all-inclusive aquatic kind of thing, whether it's a beach or pool, wasn't too specific, but something along those lines. And Nachicoco, which we've been to before many times, was sold out. I really wanted to go to Mr. Sancho's, which is another similar experience in Cosmo, but that was sold out as well because I waited until the day before, so that's out. I considered Playa Mia, which is a, uh, basically, I want to say aquatic theme park kind of thing. It's a, it's a much larger scale then even Mr. Sancho's, there's water slides, there's the beach, uh, but it's a, it's an all-inclusive type thing. But I was really concerned. And my primary concern was not only does Royal Caribbean sell it as an option, but if you walk off the pier in Cozumel and look around at your – you're probably going to – if you were to count how many times you've seen an ad for Playa Mia between when you leave the ship until you get to the taxis, there's got to be like three dozen advertisements for it. My concern was twofold. One, it's going to be super crowded because everybody's advertising it. So a lot of people are probably going to pick up on that and go there. And number two, uh, I would worry that'd be crowded and or I don't know what the quality would be, you know, in terms of, you know, if you're doing that kind of heavily advertising, maybe they're overcompensating for a lack of quality. I don't know. So I ended up, I said, I'm not going to go to that option. And we looked at a lot of different other resort options. We settled on a Bureau Star primarily because they had a large pool area. My kids, if given the choice, prefer the pool to the ocean. Similar to their dad. It's just it's just more manageable, more fun, less dirt. <laughs> less, you know what I mean? So anyway, we booked a Bureau Star, took a taxi ride there, very easy to get there, probably another couple kilometers past Nachicocum, so no no real difference there. Checking in, it's basically a Bureau Star is a massive resort, and you are given access just like you're given access to if you were a resort guest there. You get a bracelet. But there's no limitations on what's available. And quite honestly, there's a lot to consider here. If you're looking for an active day, there's a lot. There is the beach. There is a massive pool. There were archery lessons, shoot, skeet shooting lessons. There were uh, cultural activities you can partake in. There was yoga offered. There was a lot of volleyball. I mean, there was a ton of different things like offered, like, you know, resort activities that you could participate in. We didn't take advantage of nearly any of that. But it is worth noting that if you're that's of interest, you actually really wanted to go to the skeet shooting just to see that. Like, that's an option? How cool is that? Anyway, I thought about it too late, so I missed that option. But the big draw to a Bureau Star is the pool. The pool is massive. I think they call it a lake-style pool. That's probably true. It is a number of pools. Uh, there's a swim-up bar in the middle. There's a very large children's pool. Uh, it was great. We set up shop over there. Kids had a blast. Like, perfect pool day. No problems at all. I walked briefly to the beach to go check it out. It's your typical Cozumel beach. Lots of beach chairs, plenty of space out there. No issues at all. There were two problems I had with the Bureau Star. Number one, we arrived there, uh, let's say, 8, 30, 9 o'clock in the morning. I don't think it was any later than 9. And one nice thing about a Bureau Star is you can arrive as early as 7 a.m., and I should mention this. Uh, not only can you arrive as early as 7, you can stay till 6 p.m., and they have breakfast and lunch included. A lot of places, like like if you go to Nachicocum, there's no breakfast option. If you arrive early, well, you just got to wait till they open up lunch. But what was nice is you have access to breakfast as well. And again, there's like three or four restaurants around the resort. You can go to any of them. There's no, you're not limited. It's really, really cool in that regard. But we arrived again, let's say 8, 30, 9 o'clock. The pool was already 
overcrowded with people who had reserved chairs. Like people complain about Royal Caribbean being a chair hog issue. Ibero Stars got them beat. And <laughs> like it was amazing. I looked around and said, I told my wife, I was like, there's like 75% of the chairs were, were taken up by towels or books or personal belongings, but like maybe 25% of those chairs actually had people that I could see. So clearly what was happening is people would come down from their resort villa, put their towels down, go back to the resort villa, maybe have breakfast or whatever, and then come later in the morning and not have to worry about finding a chair. If I was staying there as a resort guest, I would have complained about it. As a, as a day pass guest, what am I going to do? <laughs> Change it for tomorrow. I'm not going to be here tomorrow. All right. Well, then they should police that better. But it's important to know that if you're going to go there, get there early because you don't want to roll in at – I mean, if you were rolling at you know 10 o'clock – there's going to be no chairs. I mean, I don't know what you would do, honestly. You'd have to go to the beach, <laughs> assuming they didn't have the same problem over there. But the pool had that that issue. Number two was the food. They had We didn't do breakfast, so I can't comment on the breakfast. But the lunch aspect, there was a very nice lunch hall uh, right next to the pool. Very convenient. Very easy. There was also a little bit of a, a, a little burger stand uh, close between the pool and the beach. That offered like burgers and hot dogs. But that's the issue right there. The selection of food... Not great. If you're going to Nicaragua and say, I'd really love to have tacos or quesadillas or guacamole, traditional Mexican foods, you're not going to find that here. They did have, to be fair, a make-your-own taco station, but it feels like you know, as a resort, they offer like one area that, that changes every day for resort guests, so they'll probably get over the course of their visit, you know, if they're there for a week, a, a, a quesadilla option, a taco option, a, a guacamole option, but there was just one option there. And the rest of the food was essentially American food, burgers, hot dogs. You know, some grilled fish and things like that. I just, it wasn't from a culinary standpoint. And as a Mexican food snob, that I freely admit I am, it didn't fit the bill over there. So, again, my concerns are things that may may or may not be as important to you. But I feel like that it's worth noting, especially here in Mexico, you're not necessarily going to have access to all the Mexican food you might expect there. But the grounds are immaculate, really beautiful. They had actually, there's like flamingos and peacocks roaming the grounds, which is kind of, my daughters love that. It was a very nice place. We had a great time there. Like I said, we had uh, they had waitstaff that were walking around the area, bringing you drinks. I mean, I always tell people what I look for in any day pass place is three things. A pool, somewhere to sit, like chairs, not on the ground, and shade. And bar service is a, is a bonus. And I got all four of those. So I really can't complain. And the price is about the same as I would have paid at Nachi or, or any of the resorts I mentioned earlier. So... From that standpoint, not a bad choice for the day of. Would I go back again? Uh, yes, but I wouldn't go. It wouldn't be my first choice. That's all I would say. But it is a nice option, especially if you're saying, Matt, I really want a great pool day. Like, we really want a really nice pool, uh, especially if you've got younger children. This is the best option for you. Uh, it, it, it's pool. I mean, the pool at, you know, at Nachi Kokum is just a glorified pool. It's just a pool. It's, you know, it's got a small bar, but it's just a, um, a square pool. This is just ornate. You know, it's a five-star resort. You're going to get a much better experience there. Uh, so if that's important to you, there you go. And also, if you're looking for activities, more than just – you know, when I say activities, again, you're talking about the activities that are available, uh, you know, to do at the resort. You know, yoga, exercise room, uh, archery, things like that. you got more choices there. So definitely – and I'll write a review of uh, of Ibero Star probably going forward on RoyalCarmenBlog.com. So if you're listening to this when it comes out, that's wonderful. But the review's not there yet, but it will be forthcoming. Our next day was in Belize, and this day we did a private journeys excursion. This is through Royal Caribbean, where they did a private uh, excursion for us, or just us on the tour, and this worked out really well. This is a little different day. We were scheduled to go to the Belize Zoo and then go to a local beach, and we went to the zoo. And our, we had a driver. His name was Freddie. He was super awesome, super accommodating. He, you know, he he was very cool with the children in terms of you know taking care of them. So on the way over, it's about a 30-minute drive to the zoo. He narrated the entire journey, t- telling us about the history of Belize. He actually had with him, in, in on the passenger seat, he had slides. Like, uh, I'd call them 8x10, maybe 11x14, laminated slides that he would show and give it to you when he was talking about certain things. So, like, you know, he would talk about, oh, this is the first, you know, uh, church that was built in, in Belize City. And he would bring out a, a photo of when it was built or something like that. And we could look at it and get more information. You know, it was about the history. It was about the uh, animals, about the flora, about uh, the people there. A lot of information. Certainly a great primer for visiting Belize. And it also, you know, didn't make for awkward sign along the way. And he was always, you know, answering questions. Very friendly. Exactly what you need from a, from a driver. Um, I should probably back up for a second. Belize is a tender port. 
So you need to take tenders there. Easy peasy. I was worried about that as well. But uh, because we booked an excursion, we went to the theater on board the ship. We were escorted from the theater to a waiting tender just for us. We didn't have to wait at all. It was very, very easy. That was a really nice perk. So that is a really good benefit of booking an excursion through Royal Caribbean for a place that has a tender like Belize. It makes it a whole lot easier and simpler. All right, so back on the tour. We get to the Belize Zoo. Belize Zoo was great. The Belize Zoo is different, obviously, than zoos in here in the United States. Uh, it's a lot smaller, as you might imagine. It's a, basically a lot of winding paths that bring you to different areas. Now, what's nice about the zoo, I know people have different opinions on, strong opinions, I should say, on zoos themselves. But I think almost every single animal there was the victim of some, corner, some kind of abuse or a bad situation. You know, birds might not have been the case, but certainly the larger animals were almost always animals that had been pets or abandoned or abused, something like that. So I kind of felt like they weren't just going out in the wild and picking up animals and throwing them in there. These were more just animals that needed rehabilitation or just were never going to be, you know, they were they were raised, you know, to be with humans and thus they really couldn't, you know, live on their own. But I was actually amazed by the variety of animals. There were a couple different kinds of monkeys, a lot of different kind of uh, uh, tigers, big cats. There were leopards. There were ocelots. There were other large cats that I can't think of the names of them. But there were there was a lot to see there, and it was fairly approachable. Again, our guide was excellent. He knew them all. He was walking us through it, telling, telling us about it. Uh, he gave us a proper warning about the land cows there, which I forgot the name of the cows there. There are these weird-looking things that look like they're like half they look like half horse, half rhinoceros. Um, they look you know mid uh, medieval. <laughs> they look. Uh, uh, like they're out of the, you know, out of the ice age. Um, and he warned us because they tend to urinate and to mark their territory and they're not afraid to do that on people. So we kept our distance there, but it was kind of cool to see them. And we walked around and, you know, we saw everything we wanted to see. Uh, what I liked about the zoo was that there were a lot of viewing platforms. So you could, you know, walk up a couple of stairs and then you would get to an area where you would be able to look down on the, in, in the, in the area and be able to see the animals and give it a lot better perspective. My wife's highlight, there was a little baby monkey who was being held by the mom monkey. We probably spent a good hour over there. I'm just kidding. It wasn't quite that long, but we spent a lot of time looking at that. Um, it was a great day, and I was worried about crowds there because we arrived, and there was like a huge bus of kids, and I was like, oh, boy, this is going to be really crowded. Nope, not at all. We were able to get there early. Uh, we got we knocked everything out. It took about an hour and a half or so, and we had a really good time there. So I, the kids enjoyed it, too, I think. Um, they were hot. And by the end, they were getting kind of tired. But that's the nice thing about about doing a private tour was we were able to accelerate. I said, you know, Freddie, let's uh, skip over some of the birds here. Let's just go see the jaguar and then, you know, wrap this up, right? That's what I love about the pace of this. After that, we went to a restaurant for lunch. And uh, this was the, the lunch was right next to the beach. We needed to eat lunch anyway. And it was great. They had a mix of American food, Mex uh, well, I don't say Mexican because this is in Belize, Central American cuisine, and also American food as well. Uh, I think my daughter had, my oldest daughter had a quesadilla. I think my youngest had a burger. I opted for a fish filet, which was phenomenal. OMG, it was that good. Uh, it was actually, what was interesting was it was a whole fish. And I think I've had like a whole fish like two or three times in my life. But whole fish means like the head is there, the tail, everything. And I was kind of worried about how to actually eat it. But it was like fall off the bone type meat. It was really oh so good. Oh, I wish I could have it right now. It was that good. And then we ended up at a at a beach, which was nice. It was actually it was interesting about the beach was there was a beach, but then there was a man made lagoon on the other side, the interior. And in that lagoon, it was so large. They had a water slide. They had a trampoline. There was a lot there, and we were able to, even though we rolled in there like at one o'clock, we were able to just walk in, do whatever we wanted to do. My kids played in the water. They had a great time, in fact, because it was nice. Again, there, since it was this interior lagoon of seawater, there was no waves, which was great for my youngest daughter, right? In general, I think it's good as family for families just to be able to not have to worry about your kids getting knocked down by waves and whatnot. Very easy. Uh, we had a great time over there. In fact, I wish I wish you could have spent a little more time. Because of the nature, this wasn't on the tour. This was on Royal Caribbean. We had to be back to the tender, and I with tenders, I don't take any chances. I get back well in advance of what I need to be because I want to make sure that I'm there with enough time. So we, you know, we left there a little earlier than we probably had to, but again, I'd rather be there early than have anxiety about it. But if we could have had another hour at the beach, I think that would have been perfect. We had a really nice time there. Uh, there was Wi-Fi provided at the beach, but it was terrible. It was like, you know, it's when you have free Wi-Fi and there's a ton of people there, it doesn't work. Same thing here. But alas, we had a really, really nice day in Belize. The tour was great. And again, if you're the kind of person who says, Matt, I really like doing, I want to do a short excursion where I want to have the safety of Royal Caribbean, you know, that 
the ship will wait for you. It's vetted by somebody that Royal Caribbean has, has you know, partnered with, blah, blah, blah. But you don't want to go on a group tour because group tours move too slowly for your pace or maybe too slow or too fast. I don't know. But the pace isn't your liking. Private journeys is the way to go. It really isn't that expensive. For the four of us, uh, for like, what was it, five hours or so, five and a half hours, it was like $350 total. Not bad. It really isn't when you think about it. Uh, I would do it again in a heartbeat. Really good. Now, next time I'm going to Belize, I'm going to do that exact tour, you know, but I would definitely do private journeys again. I think we will uh, going forward. Our next stop was in Costa Maya. This was our last stop. Along the way, we went to Maya Chan Beach. I've been there before on Oasis of the Seas, way back in 2010. Uh, but we haven't been back since. This is I've often described Maya Chan as the best day pass all-inclusive experience I've ever had. In terms of service, unbeatable. And the answer, and going back here eight years later, the answer is it is still equally as awesome. The staff is just tremendous, amazing. I mean, it's it's. It's more than people are taking care of you. These people actually seem to genuinely care about are you okay? Constantly coming back and saying, would you like something else? Uh, the, 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 if you're looking for alcohol, great assortment of, of, of drinks available. They have a, uh, a, a buffet lunch, which was freshly cooked. Really good, really good stuff there. And, I, and, I, and as you might imagine, authentic Mexican and plenty of guacamole, salsa, tacos. Oh, so good. It was, oh, I could go for something right now. Really, really nice stuff there. So uh, we had a great time. The The downside to Maya Chan, this is true of all of Costa Maya, the beaches in, in Costa Maya were inundated with uh, seagrass, which essentially is seaweed. And it's just, I mean, it's it, if you were to go out there in the morning and you were to walk to the beach, you'd be certainly ankle deep and if not knee deep in seaweed, seagrass. And this was true in Maya Chan. We got to, when, when, we, when we met up with the Maya Chan folks uh, at the pier, at the port area, they explained the situation. They said, look, here's what's going on. We've got the situation. We're willing to give you a full refund because obviously this is not part of the experience that we promised you because the beach is you know, inundated with it. Now, they did have, and I counted at least four different guys all day shoveling seagrass to make a path. And by the end of the day, they had done a pretty good job of clearing it. But they had offered to give us a, a, a refund. My wife and I looked at each other and said, you know what? We're still going to go for it. But it's, it was nice of them to offer that. That was certainly a nice option. Uh, and then once we were there, you know, I didn't, we didn't go in the ocean at all. I just didn't want to deal with it. I don't, I don't want to touch seagrass. But <laughs> uh, they had, people had said, and they had said the same thing. If you go out a few feet, you the seagrass disappears. It's just along the shoreline. And then, you know, if you go, and, and it's very shallow for a, quite a while. So you can easily get out there. In fact, the Maya Chan folks set up a, a floating bar, which is literally a floating bar. Like it was a bar of something that was floating with drinks on top of it. It was kind of cool. I, I like their style. It's, you know, it's, it's creative. Um, but they had that. They had some floating chairs out there. You go sit out there. Anyway, it was a nice incentive to get people to go out into the water. Um, but we didn't go in the ocean. It didn't matter. We had a great time. The kids were playing in the sand the whole time. There were They actually have uh, three dogs and a cat at the resorts. My kids were loving playing with the dogs. And it was a really fun day. I really did genuinely appreciate and, and enjoy my time there. So I think that my thought on Maya Chan remains that if you're looking for the best service at an all-inclusive resort or day pass experience, I should say, Maya Chan definitely for you. And there you go. Those are, those are our, uh, our, our ports we visited. On board the ship, going back to Rhapsody of the Seas, entertainment. We saw a couple of different shows, uh, certainly a little bit older shows. These are more, there's no, there's no plot to them. There's no story to them. It's really just you're going there and you are watching musical medleys. You know, they sing a number, they move on to the next number, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It was fine. The theater's quite small compared to some of the other Royal Caribbean theaters, which my wife actually thought was cute and nice. Uh, a nice benefit was they actually had an entire balcony reserved for sweet guests so we could roll into the shows fairly easily and see them. But we saw probably three or four shows. They were all good, enjoyable, good good uh, opportunities to sit down and get some culture, enjoy some music there. Um, were they my favorite shows in the whole Royal Caribbean fleet? No, of course not. But they were enjoyable. And I think that was the nature of it. They had a nice blend of uh, headliners and regular shows. In fact, I would also tell you that my uh, a lot of folks that were there, some friends who were on board, big shout out to the Taylor clan. They mentioned that the magician on board and some other folks had mentioned also there was a magician. I always skip magicians because I'm like, a magician, really? But they said, and a lot of people said the same thing, the magician was amazing, like really, really good. So 
hey, that's on me. I next I got to go back and go see that dude again. But uh, you know, I did enjoy it. And was nice about the ship was you know because it was you know it's single threaded entertainment is the best way I can describe it, which means that you either go you you follow along you know A to B to C to D. And if you don't want to do any of those, well, then there's just you're entertaining yourself in the meantime. There was still plenty of live music on board the ship. There was live bands in the Centrum. There was live music each evening in the in the schooner bar. You could find dance parties on the Viking Crown Lounge. Uh, one of the evenings they had uh, Dancing Under the Stars by the pool deck, and there were a lot of people over there for that. So you could certainly find plenty of you know music to entertain you. Um, but it's not like the Oasis class where it's like <laughs> you've got. You know, you've got musicals going on, you've got music, you've got, you know, comedy show, like, you're just overwhelming amount. Not to that extent. But again, you adjust to it. That's really the key right there. But overall, I think we had a really nice time on Rhapsody. And I certainly do, don't regret booking it at all. I would tell you that if you're looking to book a cruise on Rhapsody of the Seas, you know, I think what you're look, we should primarily be looking for is a relaxing cruise, uh, potentially bring you to a lot of different ports, which is what we had. Again, four ports, two days. But, you know, it's an opportunity to enjoy a classic cruise experience. I think that's what Royal Caribbean really offers here on Rhapsody. Uh, it, in fact, one thing, the best thing about Rhapsody, truth be told, would be the elevators. I don't think I ever waited more than like three. Oh, all right, let's be honest here. I don't think I ever waited more than. 15 seconds for an elevator on Rhapsody of the Seas. Whereas on the bigger ships, and most of the ships in the fleet I've been on, you know, there's a lot of times where you're sitting up there and you're looking at, you know, where the elevators are, you can see the numbers, and you look and you look and you're like, oh, forget this, I'm going to go walk, right? I don't think we ever ran into that situation on Rhapsody. Uh, maybe once, but I was amazed by the speed and or efficiency of the elevators on Rhapsody. Uh, there are certainly older elevators, which is, again, just noticing that, but... Um, being on a smaller ship, it was a lot easier to get around and get from deck to deck if you needed it. But also getting around, you know, I often felt like we were just moving between, you know, deck six and eight or nine. So that's easily walkable as well. So there's that to be said about it. So we had a really nice time overall. And I think that it was a, uh, you know, an excellent experience from start to finish. Uh, the, the the service was amazing. Our wait staff in the main dining room was really good. Our stay attendant was really good. Uh, Adventure Ocean. There's one other thing I want to mention. I know we're going on really like, one of the longest reviews I've had, but it's important stuff. The last thing I want to talk about was my daughter. Uh, one of the days she threw up on the cruise, in fact, the first night. And this is a whole new experience for us. We had never experienced anybody getting that sick. The most we, worst we've ever had was seasickness, which is easy to deal with. You just take a pill, you know, a over-the-counter medication. You lay down, you take, you sleep, and eventually it kicks in, and you'll be fine. This was out of the blue. I, I was at the bar writing up my live blog, as I usually do. My wife texted me and said that uh, my daughter just thrown up. I need to come back to the room immediately. I came back. My daughter was, I think, a little scared of what had happened. Uh, we didn't know what happened. She didn't have a fever. We didn't know what happened. Anyway, but she had thrown up all over the room. Like, it was just, she had done a good job covering the room. <laughs> so I, I called housekeeping. My first call, I pick up the phone, call housekeeping, say, hey, look. My, this was like, by the way, this is like at 11 o'clock at night. Pick up the phone. Um, my daughter thrown up. Uh, we need someone to help please clean up and change the sheets. Within two minutes, I'm not joking, within two minutes, they had a team of people coming. First, the first team came, and they were there to clean, to remove the vomit, right? So they would they came in with machines and, and devices, and they were cleaning up the vomit. The next step was then, when they were done, then the housekeeping team came in and replaced the sheets. While this was happening... We got a call from the nurse on duty who wanted to talk about it. And I was a little, you know, look, if you've cruised a lot, you know that, you know, Royal Caribbean has neurovirus is a number one concern. You know, a gastrointestinal disease or infection where, you know, it can cause issues. And my wife, my, my, sorry, my daughter wasn't having any of these symptoms of that. It's just vomiting, which not to belittle vomiting, but, you know, it's only one of many symptoms. But we talked about it and said, look, it's, it's only happened once. Um, but I appreciate, you know, they, they did this on their own. So, like, it was like a, I don't say an alarm went off, but like, you know, a certain sequence of events, clearly they had this down pat as, as a procedure. And, you know, the, the, doc, the nurse was talking to us and said, you know, here's, you know, asked us some background, what was, you know, what she did today. And we said, look, she threw up one time. Uh, she hasn't done it since. I think she's more frazzled than she is actually sick. Um, but you know, we'll kind of monitor And we agreed that we would monitor and let her, let them know if anything changed. She did uh, throw up one more time, but it was more of like, you know, it was very small quantity. I think it was just the leftovers. But uh, after that, she was fine. We made it through the night. The next morning, 
uh, they the nurse called again promptly wanted to check on her status. We agreed to go bring her down to the doctor on board the ship. In retrospect, seeing a doctor wasn't wasn't a mistake. Seeing a doctor on board Royal Crew on the ship was a mistake only for one reason. One reason. We were in Key West that day. What I should have done was just bring her to like a minute clinic in Key West because we were in the United States and it would have been covered by, by my health insurance. Uh, instead, when you go visit the doctor on board, insurance doesn't cut. They don't take insurance. You just get charged fully, and then you it's up to you to figure it all out. Now, we had purchased travel insurance before this cruise. I think I mentioned that perhaps on this uh, the preview podcast. But we had purchased travel insurance, so I, I felt covered. It wasn't like, oh, gosh, this is going to cost me thousands of dollars out of pocket. I knew one way or the other it'd be covered. I still have to go through all that process going forward, but you know, I didn't have that concern. Anyway, what I should have done was I should have gone to the Minute Clinic or something like that and taken care of it then, but... I did it on board the ship. Now, if it had been any other port, if we had been at sea, if we had been in Mexico or Belize, I did, would have gone to the doctor immediately. This wouldn't have been an issue. But, you know, anyway, hindsight being 2020. Anyway, we went to the doctor. Doctor looked her over, had a had an exam down there, uh, basically determined that it was just, for lack of a better word, food poisoning. She ate something that didn't agree with her and that she didn't show any other symptoms. She'd be fine. They did prescribe an anti-nausea medicine for us and advised us, you know, also to give her, you know, ibuprofen or some sort of um, anti-inflammatory to help with, uh, she was complaining about some abdominal pain, so give her that. Turned out to be fine. After that, she was totally okay. Rest of the cruise never had an issue after that, so clearly she just ate something that didn't agree with her. Um, But it was the first time we experienced that before, and guest services probably called three or four times to check in on her. And again, I know it's a a double-edged sword. They are checking in, honestly, I really did feel like the tone of it was they were genuinely concerned to make sure she was okay. First and foremost. Second of all, obviously, they want to make sure that if this is an issue, if she did have something that was worse, that it wasn't going to spread to the rest of the ship. And I can understand that. That's that's their their duty is to protect all guests. And that includes, you know, quarantine. But we didn't get to that level, thankfully. But I did want to talk about it. If you're wondering how much the doctor visit cost, it was $130. Uh, we got an itemized bill after, uh, a day or two after the visit. So we can submit that to insurance. Uh, my understanding, some people have told me that, and big shout out to Twangster who helped me walk me through some of this stuff, that the um, basically I have to go through my primary health insurance first, even though they're going to reject it, and then go through my the travel insurance to kick in. So well, that'll be another interesting adventure I can talk about later on when I go through the whole thing. But um, certainly something to you know take away from that. So there you go. There in a nutshell. <laughs> 45 minutes or less is our look at Rhapsody of the Seas. I, it was a great time. I really did have enjoy it, and I'm glad we booked that cruise. It was a really, really fun week. All right, so I'm to answer your listener emails. This is the part of the podcast where I dive into the Royal Caribbean blog inbox, pick out some emails to read and talk about, and answer your Royal Caribbean questions, comments, Whatever's on your mind about Royal Caribbean, and of course, you can always email me, Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Our first email is from Ilona, who writes, I was recently on Navigator this season. I kept on seeing this group of people wearing these those cardboard Burger King crowns. I figured they must have stopped at Burger King and Cosmelo or something. Then while waiting to disembark, I ran to the same group, still wearing the crowns. I asked where they got them, and they said that there is a bur- Burger King on board. I didn't believe them and said that they must be pulling my leg. But they swore they were telling me the truth and that the fact there is a Burger King above the chapel with amazing views. Do you know anything about this? It seems very strange to me that I've not seen it advertised, uh, as they would have been both a Johnny Rockets and a Burger King on board. I even tried Googling and searching the deck plans, but no luck. Not that I feel I was, I was not anything amazing culinary-wise, but I hate that I didn't have time to check in myself. So, uh, any other ideas? Uh, almost reason enough to book another cruise, you know, in the name of research. <laughs> I don't know what they are talking about. There is no Burger King on board, any Royal Caribbean ship, period. End of story. That's it. Did they get the crowns from up there? Maybe. Maybe somebody brought them on and was giving them away? You know, that's entirely possible. Uh, but there's no Burger King on board. No. I. If you see a group that's wearing Burger King cra- cardboard Burger King crowns on board... And you're looking for a rational response from them <laughs> at any point. I'm not sure you're going to get it. I don't think those two things go together. But uh, first time I've ever gotten that question <laughs> or even heard about that. That's crazy. Uh-huh. Next, I have an email from... Uh, who's this person from? Oh, it's from Colin, who writes, Oh, Matt, just recently got back from my first Carnival cruise and thought I would do a comparison between Liberty of the Seas and the Carnival Breeze. It's two ships are both uh, the best options, in my opinion, out of Galveston and are very comparable ships. I know you did a Royal versus Carnival comparison episode in the past, so I thought it'd be this would be of interest. 
I've been on two welcoming cruises as an adult, with all of them departing from Galveston because we try to avoid the extra cost of a flight. If we could, we would sail on a Oasis of the Seas or an Oasis class ship every time, but until that dream becomes a reality, we have to choose between options in Galveston. As I was telling my friends we were cruising, there were uh, no other ships in the other fleet that truly compared to an Oasis class ship. I don't think they realized what I was talking about until we got to Cozumel and I saw Allure. Uh, believe it or not, is a this is a Cliff Notes version of my thoughts. I was surprised to find that the breeze was much more comparable than expected, but still, I give Liberty the Seas the edge. There are some things that Royal does better and some things Carnival does better. I think both ships stayed very true to their branding in that Royal is going for that wow factor, while Carnival goes for the fun ship theme. If you're ever interested in doing a podcast about the comparison, please feel free to let me know. I'm sure I'd be nervous, but I think I'd give it a shot. So here's the comparison. Number one, Liberty of the Seas, the ship. Liberty, this ship has uh, much more of an elegant feel due to the design as well as taller ceilings and more open spaces. The Royal Promenade reigns supreme both in design and ease of navigation. I also preferred the layout of the main pool on Liberty as it felt like there was a more connection to the sea. For the breeze, the ship had a better atmosphere in certain venues, particularly the Red Frog Pub, Tides Pool, and Serenity Deck. The best way to put it is that the venues felt more authentic, like I would imagine them they do on the Oasis class ships. On Liberty, a lot of the venues had a more of a lounge type of feel that you could walk through on your way to other places. Although the venues were great, the ceilings felt lower, and the ship didn't feel to have the quite flow quite as well. But Colin gives the edge to Liberty. For state rooms, Liberty also gets the edge. Uh, Liberty, I do, I do feel that the design of the rooms is a bit outdated, but I choose Liberty based on the value provided from interior rooms that we usually book. Liberty-based interior rooms include a couch-slash-sitting area for the same price as well as the option for promenade-view staterooms. I would imagine the balcony rooms between the two are very similar, but Liberty's rooms may be slightly larger. For on the breeze, the decor in the room had a much more modern feel. While it felt newer, it really didn't offer anything extra, and our balcony actually felt a bit smaller than our interior room on Liberty of the Seas. We had only booked the balcony because the breeze-based interior rooms didn't include a couch or sitting area. Now we're in love with balconies and may never go back, so cruising just got more expensive. Thanks a lot, Carnival. For food, he gives the edge to the breeze. The buffet on Liberty was significantly better, better options in quality. We also found the main dining room food to be more consistent and also had better options from night to night. In terms of specialty dining, we did eat at Sabor, and it was good, but I'm not a huge fan of specialty dining. When I'm on an Oasis class ship, that will be a different story. I know the food and service is great. I just have a hard time justifying the cost. As a side note, my wife is a vegetarian, and it's hard to get the same value out of them. The Breeze, I chose the Breeze as the winner because of their quick service food options. Guys Burgers Joint and Guys Pig and Anchor Barbecue in particular were far superior to any complimentary options offered on Liberty. In fact, I would argue that Guys Burger Joint is significantly better than even Johnny Rockets. For entertainment, uh, Liberty is one. <laughs> he writes, come on, how can you compete with Saturday Night Fever, the aerial shows, ice shows, and all the Vegas-style entertainment that Rail brings? This wasn't even close. For Sea Days, he said it was a tie between the two. Liberty of the Seas features the Flowrider, Rock Coming Wall, Ice Skating, Sports Court, Putt-Putt, and Water Park. I think the racer slides on Liberty are not worth trying, as you often get stuck in the middle. The Tidal Wave slide makes up for this as it really is great. The Carnival Breeze features the Sky Course, Water Park, Sports Court, and Putt-Putt. I thought the Sky Course was a better alternative than the Rock Climbing Wall, but that's purely personal preference. The water slides on the Breeze were incredibly fast and were much more fun than the racer slides on Liberty. And for service and crew, it was a tie again. Colin writes, I'm not probably the best person to review this sort of thing because not a lot of it bothers me on vacation. I thought the crews and cruise directors were, were great on both ships. I've never really had any problem on any cruise outside of maybe not getting quick service at a bar here or there, but just like any normal bar or restaurant. Um, Colin adds, thanks for everything you do with the blog. I try to find all the same information for our Carnival Cruise and just flat out doesn't exist. I always recommend your podcast and website to anyone going on a cruise, especially a Royal Caribbean cruise. It's truly unrivaled. My wife and I always talk about how you should start your own travel agency specializing in Royal Caribbean cruises because your enthusiasm is contagious and always makes us want to book a cruise. I think you could really capitalize on your passion as well as your large following. Whether you do that or not, keep the good work. You make all of our cruises better. Thank you, Colin. I really appreciate all that. It's a wonderful idea to start a travel agency. A lot of people have mentioned that to me as well. The problem is, I am. while I love talking about Royal Caribbean, being a travel agent, being a good travel agent, requires a lot of work. Like, a lot. And I'm not in that capacity. I, I know my limits. I can talk a good game about Royal Caribbean, but... I don't think I'd be a very good travel agent for it to uh, be someone who's going to, you know, um, uh, actually manage someone's reservations. I don't think I'm the I'm not the right fit for it. That's why I, I always applaud uh, the good travel agents that are out there because it's not an easy job. Uh, and I, I tip my hat to them because I can't do it, but I, I certainly appreciate the service that they, they do offer for that. But Colin, nonetheless, thank you for the compliments, sir. It really does mean a lot. And I appreciate the, the review that you offered there as well. Some good stuff. 
Next, we have an email from Kelly, who writes, still listening every week. Thanks for all the info and great weekly vlogs. My husband and I went on our Independence of the Seas cruise last month. Loved it. We're now signed up as Crown and Anchor Society members, and I do believe that we'll be cruising yearly now. We're so happy about that. Our next cruise is scheduled for next February at Anthem of the Seas, which is too far away in my opinion. Can you tell me which venues are included without paying extras as far as dining is concerned? I'm sure I'll have more questions as time gets nearer. Much appreciated. Absolutely, Kelly. So, complimentary dining venues on Anthem of the Seas. You've got main dining room, Windjamere. You have the cafe at 270. You have the doghouse, which is the hot dog cart, if you want, if you will, in the C-plex. You have uh, Cafe Promenade. You have Sorrento's. You have room service breakfast. Some of the breakfast options are complimentary still over there. That's the primary options. I'm trying to think. I mean, you know, after that, I don't think there is another one that I can think of off the top of my head there. Kelly, uh, but you'll find plenty. Uh, as I tell people with any Royal Country you go on, you will not go hungry with the food that is offered complimentary on board the ship. There's plenty to choose from. I feel like there's, it's in great quantities. And uh, I, like I said, I don't think... I never go hungry on these cruises, and I don't think you need to spend a dime uh, on board any Royal Caribbean ship in order to be fed. Certainly, especially dining is a big part of it. And for a lot of people, that's a nice add-on. But if you want to eat just complimentary, there's plenty of good places on board, Kelly. I think you'll have a great time. All right, let's go to our next email. And it is from... Um, Marciella from San Diego, California. Hi, Matt. New listener. I really enjoy your podcast. Heard about you from Sherry at Cruise Tips TV. Only been on two cruises, so I need your expertise. Number one, arriving in Orlando three days before the cruise. Should we do a private shuttle, hotel shuttle, or Uber to the port? Does the port have a car rental service there so we can rent a car after the cruise? First of all, uh, thank you for uh, the shout out from uh, my very good friend Sherry at Cruise Tips TV. I will give the shout out right back. Sherry does an awesome job. Uh, she does a YouTube series. She has other things that she does as well, but primarily she's on YouTube. That's how I found her anyway. <laughs> and, uh, she does wonderful videos there. So go to YouTube, search for Cruise Tips TV. You will find the amazing, wonderful, multi-talented fashionista, packingista. I think she likes coffee, so she may even be a barista. Sherry from Cruise Tips TV. All right. On to the question. Uh, Orlando, you can rent a car. If you're going for three days before the cruise, rent a car for the duration. Return the car in Port Canaveral. It's the easiest option. No question about it uh, because it gives you that convenience factor. The next best option after that would be to take an Uber or a Lyft. It just gives you a better uh, – there are shuttle experience, There are shuttle services. There are Royal Caribbean offices of shuttle experience. I don't think it's – the reason why I think it's better to, on your own is that I think it will be a – Quite honestly, it could be cheaper, but it also gives you more flexibility, right? You want to stop somewhere. You want to go do something else, grab some water, eat lunch before you return the car. You have that option. So, And, and especially since you're doing a couple days before the cruise, just rent a car in Orlando and then drop the car off in Port Canaveral. Uh, should have no problem there. Number two, first night specialty dining. Which would you recommend and which one gives you the free bottle of wine? Free bottle of wine. I mean, I do. I know I mentioned earlier in this episode we talked about the um, free bottle of champagne I got, but that was just an offer that they had at the time. Um, there is no option that gives you the free bottle of wine. I'm wondering, and I'm looking at your email here. I don't think you wrote which ship you're going on. Um, I'm a space on some of this. You mentioned one of your questions about uh, the prohibition event. I'm assuming you're going on Allure of the Seas. I'll assume it's an Oasis class, at least at the very least. And if that's the case, and if that assumption is correct, um, if you are in a Central Park room, a Central Park balcony room, excuse me, you do get a free bottle of wine, but that's what you're talking about there. That's part of the neighborhood park. It's only available for the Central Park rooms. The Boardwalk balcony rooms get different benefits. You don't get a bottle of wine. You get some other benefits there. Um, but Central Park is the one that, that gives you that you get a uh, free bottle of wine, a couple bunch of gaming lessons in the casino, and a free dinner at... Giovanni's table or James Italian, whichever one it happens to be on your ship. If you're eating, if you're staying in a boardwalk balcony room, you get a complimentary meal at Johnny Rockets, a f- two free soda packages, and a private rock climbing wall session. So there you go. That's the benefits there. They've been, that's for all Royal Caribbean Oasis class ships, all of them, including Symphony. So you just book the room. There's nothing to do. Nothing special. It just you'll, you'll see the paperwork on when you arrive in the room. Uh, for first night, especially dining, which would you recommend? Uh, you know, I love 150 Central Park. It is, I think, I have. If you would listen to this episode, or if you listen to this podcast, rather, a couple of years ago, I probably didn't speak that highly of it. I was mistaken. It is awesome. It is the best, some of the best food. If you like really good food, it's a great choice for you. Sabor, um, but I would tell you, Sabor, um, 
you know, you pay cash for that one because as opposed to like using a dining package, so I'm trying to say you can do better with that. But my, my choices for, for the Oasis class ships would be 150 Central Park, Sabor, and then the Hibachi option at Izumi. Those are my three right there. Great choices. Can't go wrong. Number three, is it only wine or champagne bottles that are allowed to be carried on? How about hard liquor? Only wine or champagne. No liquor, no beer, period. Uh, they do allow you to bring wine. It has to be bottled wine, 750 milliliters, if I'm not mistaken. It can't be boxed wine. It's got to be a bottle. That's the rule. Don't shoot the messenger. That's what it is. You cannot bring liquor. You cannot bring beer. Um, they will stop you if you do that, but wine is totally acceptable. And number four, if you got to the Prohibition event, would you recommend it? I did go to... Uh, we went there on Allure of the Seas uh, when we did the Royal Caribbean Blog group cruise on there. It was a lot of fun. I will point out, I have to, because if my friend Billy was here, he would point it out for me. I was very inebriated prior to the event. So uh, maybe you could argue that I had a pretty good time at the event regardless. But it was a lot of fun from what I can remember. Uh, just kidding. We had a really nice... Uh, it's basically the Prohibition event is a... Uh, a dancing live music event that has some complimentary alcohol involved. I think it's probably best if you don't have a drink package because you're getting free alcohol there. So you may as well take advantage of that. We had a drink package anyway, but if you want to get full value out of it, it's certainly there. But I think you go to the Prohibition event for, because you like good live music and you want a private dancing venue. It's really a neat, neat thing. People dress up for it. It's a lot of fun. I think it's definitely worth doing. I absolutely do recommend it. So thank you for the email. Thank you to everybody for the wonderful emails here. And of course, you can always send me your emails by sending an email to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.